I'm not an expert. My course is going to be boring. I'm not good at teaching or speaking. I won't be able to help my students. No one is going to find my course and take it anyways. Ladies and gents, my name is Brandon Stover. I'm the founder of Plato University. And today we're talking about five fears that I've had as a teacher, and I'm sure that you have also have or currently have, and what you can do to overcome them. Maybe you're in the middle of thinking about launching an online course or creating some sort of workshop, anything where you're trying to take your expertise, your wisdom, and give it to other people. However, there's probably some fears sitting in your mind, some beliefs that are holding you back from actually doing that. Today, I'm going to show some of the ones that I've had, especially going from being an architect to doing different things as an entrepreneur and moving into a realm of teaching others, of being an educator. I didn't go get a degree in education. I'm never formally taught in a classroom. However, I'm standing here before you today trying to teach you something. And if I'm able to get in front of the camera and do it, I promise that eventually you will be able to as well. Let's talk about some of the roadblocks that you may come up against. So probably the biggest fear when you're going to create a course or start teaching something is saying, I'm not an expert or I'm not smart enough to be teaching that. Really, you're just feeling inadequate about the level of knowledge that you have and being able to transfer that to somebody else. And why would you have this fear? One reason you might have this fear is because you're comparing yourself to the masters of this material. If you're trying to teach science, you don't need to be Richard Feynman in order to do so. In fact, you may be targeting the wrong level of student to actually be teaching. Maybe you think that you need to be teaching advanced students knowing everything there is about this topic. Instead, you may be better off teaching beginner students. I know I've come up against this myself when I'm going to teach something and thinking that I need to keep learning or reading material or just keep consuming all this information so that I get a full understanding and then being trying and able to hand that understanding off to somebody else. And we'll talk about ways in just a moment to overcome this. But another reason that you probably have this fear, not being an expert, is you haven't actually taken the time to sit down and write down everything that you actually know about a given topic. You haven't taken the time to create a course outline to start structuring some of your knowledge. You're just holding this ideal in your head right now of what an expert is and how much stuff they're supposed to know about this. And in fact, you're probably focusing on the things that you don't know, the areas of your missing knowledge of some knowledge set, rather than all the things that you do know. Let's say there's 100% totality of a subject. You may know 95% of it, but right now your brain is focusing on the 5% that you don't know. And for that reason, you're thinking you can't teach it. And the last reason you may be thinking this is because you think there's some sort of final level that you're going to reach, some final understanding where you know everything and you never have to learn anything else about this knowledge set. The reality of the world is, is you always have to keep updating yourself. You always have to keep learning. So you're never going to know all the stuff. This doesn't mean that you can't go and teach other people about all the things that you do know. But let's talk about some practical ways that you can overcome this fear of I'm not an expert or I'm not smart enough to be teaching this. First, know who you're teaching and their level of knowledge. Remember, you don't have to target the advanced students. You may be targeting beginners, in which case you don't have to know everything in order to teach them. You just have to be a few steps ahead of them. Just know a little bit more knowledge than they do in order to be able to help them. Just teach the material that you actually know. And the second thing you can do is start writing a course outline, brain dumping everything that you know about a topic and then organizing it in a way that students can logically learn. There's a sequence. They're going to know part one of this, part two, part three. I'll leave a link in the description below to a video that I just created on how to create a course outline. But basically you're 
you're dumping out all of the information. You're seeing what you have in your knowledge set, and then you're finding those gaps in your knowledge, areas that you're not quite sure, but you know is going to be needed in order for your students to actually be able to apply the information and reach whatever learning outcome they have. When you identify those knowledge gaps, this gives you an opportunity to go learn and fill those in before you actually create your course or teach it to your students. However, this shouldn't hold you back from launching your course. In fact, as you deliver your course, your students are going to ask you questions. And these also become opportunities for you to learn more. And in fact, you can learn from your students. Have them update your knowledge, teaching you something. Because the act of teaching actually is a great way to learn. In order to teach something, you have to organize the information in your mind and be able to transmit it to somebody else. In doing so, you have to have a deep understanding of a topic. So when a student is teaching you something about it, they're organizing that information in, in their head and they're starting to apply it. So in this relationship, you both get to learn. You both get to update your knowledge, which again means you don't have to be 100% expert in this. Your students may actually help to fill in the knowledge gaps. All right, let's move on to our second fear, which is my course is going to be boring. You may feel that you're not going to be engaging enough to actually hold your students' attention or have them actually want to finish the course. And the reason that you probably have this fear is because you've gone through years of education of sitting in your desk, watching somebody up at the front and doing some direct instruction to you, basically talking with PowerPoint slides or at a whiteboard, and you maybe gotten disengaged, you got bored, and you didn't want to sit through class. And so you think that you're going to give that same experience to your students. You think this is the one and only way that teaching can be done. That's what everybody else is doing. So that's what I have to do in my teaching. And that's just absolutely not true. There's a dozen different ways that you can go about teaching. Our goal here is just to transmit the information for our students to be able to learn something and apply it in their life and be able to reach their goals. So any way that you can facilitate that is a great way to teach, even if it's not one of your standard ways of teaching. Let's discuss some of these ways that we can get over this fear of being engaging and actually make sure that we engage our students in our course. First off, I say this all the time, but ask your students what they want to learn. When you do so, you're engaging their intrinsic motivation. When they're intrinsically motivated to learn, they're going to stay engaged. They want to consume this information. They know that they can apply it and do something to change their life with this information. I don't know about you, but when there's a topic that I really want to learn about, I will sit through any type of instruction in order to consume it. One of my favorite ways to learn is by listening to podcasts. And there's some hosts that just don't take the time to have good audio quality. The interview sucks. It sounds terrible. And if it's information I really want, I will sit through all of that through the crappy audio coming into my ears, hurting my ears, just so I can get that information. So even though that the host wasn't engaging or the content makes me feel like I'm suffering to sit through, I will still sit through it. I'm engaged. Of course, we don't want to be that type of teacher and we want to make sure that we're somewhat entertaining and it's actually enjoyable to consume the content. And this is where I recommend using different teaching methods rather than your direct instruction. Here's my PowerPoint slides and I'm just going to read them off. Look into other ways of teaching. Look into ways that you've been engaged in when you're learning, which teachers have really helped you to stay engaged. Some different ways that you may be able to do this is things like project-based learning or inquiry-based learning. So project-based learning, you may have a little bit of direct instruction to give them an understanding of why they're doing this project. And then they're using the project in order to actually apply the information and gain a greater understanding of the information. 
This means that your students are actively engaged in doing something. In inquiry-based learning, you're presenting some sort of question the students are trying to figure out an answer to. And most of the time, the material that you're teaching will help them to answer that question. But the students are engaged because they're curious about what the answer is. They're starting to think for it for themselves, and they're driven by that motivation to find the answer. Again, tapping into that intrinsic motivation, which is going to keep them engaged. Of course, in our day and age, we've been trained a little bit to be a little chaotic and disengage our intention and place it somewhere else. So you want to look for ways that you can hook and re-engage your students' attention, especially if you're teaching a live workshop or some sort of online class. And you can do this through active learning techniques. I'll leave a link to three videos that I've done that goes over 15 different active learning techniques that you can use in your online courses or in your live workshops. But the basic of this, let's say you're creating a 60 minute workshop, is you're trying to break up that 60 minutes rather than just speaking at them for 60 minutes, which by the end, they're just going to zone out. They don't want to listen anymore is delivering five minutes, maybe of instruction of direct instruction where you're talking to them, going over material and then having them apply that for five minutes, doing some sort of small activity or having them engage in active recall, anything that's going to shift up, getting them from listening passively taking in material to engaging with the material, actively participating with it. These can also be done in an asynchronous course where people are taking it at their own pace, at their own time. At Plato University, the way we design our course lessons is by having about 10 to 15 minutes of material that people are listening to, and then having some sort of activity at the end where they apply that information and breaking those lessons up so they're only consuming about 15 minutes at a time. We recommend doing it daily so they get a daily habit of learning. And the philosophy behind this is having our students learn and then apply, learn, apply, learn, apply, consuming information, applying it, trying to produce their knowledge. This is going to keep your students engaged because they instantly know why they're going to be using this information. In about five minutes, we're going to ask you to do something with that information. And this will keep your students engaged while they're learning the material. All right, let's talk about fear number three, which is I'm not good at speaking or I'm not good at teaching. Basically, you feel like you're going to sound dumb. You're going to look like a fool or you're not going to be able to articulate yourself in a way that your students will actually understand the information. And why are you having this fear? Well, maybe you've presented something in the past or you've had bad speaking experiences. So you have a little bit of trauma there. Like, I don't want to stand in front of somebody. I don't want to get in front of a camera. I want to get in front of these students and try and deliver this information. I'm going to fumble on my words. I'm going to look like an idiot. We've all been there, especially our first times speaking about anything. But the bigger reason behind this fear is you've just not had enough practice yet doing it. You've not had the practice of trying to articulate your thoughts and can feel comfortable performing it over and over and over again. And because you've not had the practice of doing this, you've not learned the little skills that are going to help you comfortably do it like organizing your thoughts beforehand and not just winging it when you get there. So how do you overcome this? First, I recommend choosing a medium that you're comfortable teaching in. If you feel that you're not good at speaking, you're not going to get up in front of 500 people and try and teach a lesson. In fact, if you don't feel like you're good at speaking, you can start with writing. Take whatever that you're trying to teach and write a guide about that information. In doing so, this is going to force you to organize your thoughts and get it out on paper. And by having organized thoughts, you can later take that writing and turn it into a lesson that you actually speak. That maybe you get in front of a camera and speak and you could just read out what you've already written or you can begin turning it into some sort of live workshop 
and the different parts of your writing become the pieces or things that you're hitting on and become bullet points as you go through that workshop. When I first started teaching any sort of material, I actually started with podcasting because podcasting, when I got started, I don't know, like four or five years ago now, video podcasts were starting to get popular, but they weren't as popular as they are today. And so you can literally just get in front of a mic. Nobody can see you. And you can sit there with notes on your screen and just sit there and practice articulating your thoughts. If you go to Plato University, you'll see that all of our courses are audio courses. What this allows me to do is take a 10 or 15 minute lesson and take 60 minutes to record that lesson. If you actually seen the recordings that I do, that's about two or three minutes of articulating some sort of information. And then probably a 10 minute gap where I'm sitting there thinking about, okay, how am I going to articulate this next? How am I going to formulate it so that people understand? Reading through my notes, reading through some information that I've consumed to better fill my knowledge gaps, and then doing another like two or three minutes of talk. And sometimes I mess up. And so I'll just speak that same part again. And by the end, I have this 60 minute recording that I have to go through, edit out all the stuff, uh, condense it down to 10 minutes. And when that lesson comes out, you think that I'm the most articulate, wonderful person in the world. Brandon just speaks with ease. But instead, I had all these screw ups along the way. And that medium was comfortable to me. Now I'm able to actually get in front of people. I can do live workshops. I can get in front of this camera and do a lesson and oftentimes can do things off the cuff. But I still usually have bullet points or something that I'm looking at. Even doing this video now, I have things pre-written before I even started recording. So choose a medium that you're comfortable with. Start there and you can expand your teaching as you go. My second recommendation is to start creating frameworks for yourself that you can be put information into that you know people will understand. So in the Plato University courses, everything is built off the what, why, how framework. What is the topic? Why does it matter? How do we apply it? I know my goal with everything that I teach is I want you to understand the information and then I actually want you to be able to apply it to do something in your life, to change your life or change the world. And so when I create a lesson, I create a video, I create a talk, I create a workshop, Everything falls under the what, why, how framework. This allows me to move into anything that I want to teach and understand, okay, if I'm going to transmit this information, I need to know the what's of it. What are the different topics or knowledge sets, different pieces of information they need to know. And I need to know why it's important so I can give that to our students and avoid the dreaded, why are we learning this? And then I need to know how the information is applied, what steps can the students take in order to actually use this information? Now you can create whatever framework's going to help you best and help your students learn based on the learning outcomes, what they are going to be able to do with this information later. But the what, why, how framework may help you. And then my last recommendation is to just practice, to do the reps. Your first ones are going to suck. I promise you anything that I tried to teach in the beginning, I was not very articulate. I probably did sound dumb and I probably did look like a fool doesn't matter. I probably wasn't teaching it to that many people and I'm still here. I went on to the next lesson and tried to teach something else. And with practice, I got better at articulating myself. And with this practice, you want to do what's called deliberate practice. So you're not just practicing for practice's sake, but you're practicing in order to get feedback so that you can update your practice and practice better. So if you're doing a live workshop or you're doing an online class on Zoom, you have people that are live in front of you. When you are delivering your lesson in whatever way that you're doing that, look for people's reactions. Look at their body language. When you say something, especially something that may be complex, how is it landing with your audience? Look at their faces. 
Are they confused? Are they not understanding? That gives you feedback that you need to update that section. You need to better articulate yourself there. Are they looking away? Are they distracted? This gives you feedback that that part of your lesson is not engaging enough. People are not either not understanding, getting lost, and then getting bored. Or maybe the information is not challenging enough, in which case they're still getting bored. Or maybe you've been talking on for too long and you need some way to engage them. Then after you've delivered your lesson, delivered your course, delivered your workshop, get verbal feedback from your students. What did they understand? What did they not understand? What would help them understand better? How engaging did they feel that the lesson was? Ask these sort of questions and will give you feedback about where to update your lessons and about how to better articulate yourself. At this point, I probably recorded over a thousand hours worth of audio. I've had a lot of practice of being in front of a mic, trying to articulate myself. It's not easy and I still don't do it very well, but I've gotten a lot better than when I started. All right, let's talk about fear number four, which says I'm not going to be able to actually help my students. I've definitely had this fear come up a lot, thinking that I need to help my students with everything to absolutely change their life, that this knowledge needs to make them a completely different person. And this feels very debilitating. Your students have goals and outcomes that they want to achieve, and you want to help them reach them, but you're not quite sure if you're going to be able to do so, or that if you know enough to be able to help them do so. Why are we having this fear? Well, as I was just showing in my fear, I want to help them change the world. I want to help them change themselves, change their life. When you say statements like that, you're taking on too much responsibility. The teacher-student dynamic is a relationship. Relationships require buy-in and participation from both parties. You can't make them do the work. You also are not the person that knows best about how that information is going to be applied in their life. All that has to come from the student. That means you could put in a ton of effort trying to help that person and you still won't be able to do it because they haven't put in their side of the effort. They haven't done their side of the participation. The other reason that we have this fear is we haven't been clear about how our knowledge is going to be applied in real life. When our students learn this information, what is it they can actually do with that information? This leads me into my first recommendation for how to overcome this. Set expectations and be very clear about what the outcomes for learning this information will be. What will your students be able to do with it? How can this information actually be applied in their life? So for example, in our How to Start a Podcast course, the learning outcome is starting a podcast. I know that by the end of the course, I want my students to be able to start a podcast. So I need to fill in the course with enough information that they're able to do that. This is a completely different outcome from saying something like, I want my students to be Joe Rogan and land a $200 million deal from Spotify. Yes, some of my information could help them on the path to doing that, but there's about a dozen other steps that they're going to need to in order to reach an outcome like that. So instead, my outcome is starting a podcast. I know with confidence that my course can help students do that. It's the same process that I've used to launch podcasts, and it's the same process that my other students have gone through, and they've launched podcasts using that material. So know what you can and cannot help your students with. And this leads into my next recommendation, which is you're not an all-knowing, omnipresent being that knows everything there is to know. We already covered this. We don't need to be that level of expert, right? Instead, your job is more of a guide, a facilitator of your student's learning. You're going to show them the path and you're going to let the student walk it. Practically, this is done in two ways. 
First, you're going to help your student learn how to learn. Give them the skills. They know how to identify the information that they need, go find it, and then actually learn it. So that technically one day they don't even need a teacher. They don't need somebody to be there. They could do it on their own. This is going to help your student reach whatever goal that they have because it's a skill that can be applied anywhere. The second thing that you're going to do is guide them to resources that they can use to help them reach their goals and outcomes. If we go back to our $200 million Spotify deal after launching a podcast, I cannot help them reach that. I don't know how to hit the $200 million mark with a podcast. However, I can help guide them to resources where they may be able to find out that information, to resources on how to market your podcast better, about how to speak to sponsors, about how to structure a contract, make a deal with Spotify. Those are not things that are covered in my course, but I know how to find that information and I can help guide my students to that information. And then the last thing that you can do to help overcome this fear of, I don't know if I can actually help my students, is when they are taking your course or they've consumed one of your lessons, get feedback from them. They're going to tell you if you've actually helped them accomplish something. They're going to tell you if you've helped them change their life. I promise every time that you hear this, you're going to get a little confidence boost in your own teaching. You're going to get that warm, fuzzy feeling of, oh my goodness, I just helped deliver some information. My student applied it and they reached whatever goal they had. They changed something in their life. It's an amazing feeling. And the more you get it, the more confident you're going to be in your teaching. All right. Our fifth fear for this video, probably not our final because we always have fears come up, is no one's going to find and take my course anyways. Basically, you put in all this time and effort into creating a course and you're afraid you're going to launch it. It's going to be crickets. Nobody's going to take the course. Nobody's going to find the information and your effort has gone to waste. Why do we have this fear? Well, we've probably not taken the time to actually talk to prospective students, people that will actually be taking our course once we launch it. We've probably not spent time building an audience, having a group of people that we're constantly interacting with that we know when we finish our course that we can give it to those people. We're probably not very aware about the different mediums and platforms that we can actually publish and get our course material out to. And marketing is probably not our strong suit. That's okay. There's plenty of things that we can do in order to overcome these. The first thing that we can do is during the creation of our course is interact and ask students what they want to learn. And we're doing this for two reasons. The first is so that we actually teach material that our students want to learn and consume. Taking us back to that engagement piece, we're trying to tap into the intrinsic motivation of our student to take the course. But the second reason is because we're actually engaging with people that we know is going to want this course later because we ask them what they want. We're going to put information in that delivers on the ask of what they wanted. So now we can go back to that person and be like, hey, I filled the course with the information that you want. Do you want to take it? And they're going to say, yes, yes, I do. That's the information I want. It sounds really silly. But how many times have you created a lesson or a course and you haven't actually talked with students who would be taking that? I created a whole video on how to talk and ask students what they want to learn. I'll leave a link to that in the description. But basically, you're going to other communities or your community and engaging with those prospective students. Now you're probably like, okay, but what if I don't have a community? What if I don't have an audience? Well, this is where you're going to want to put in the time to actually start building an audience. And the best way that that's done is by putting out free educational content. Because the best marketing is educational. When they consume your message, they should also be getting something of value with it. Give them little tidbits that allow them to change their life. Because the more value that they get from the free stuff, the more that they're going to want to go to your paid course. They're going to say, oh my goodness, I get this much value. I'm able to do 
these sorts of things in my life with all this free stuff, what is the paid stuff going to be like? What am I going to be able to do with that? Again, excited and engaged to actually want to take the course. But my last tip and probably the most important is don't get locked in to the one way of doing things and to the single educational models that maybe you've consumed courses through. For example, doing a video course that's just released on Udemy or Skillshare or Coursera, that is one way to deliver education. However, it doesn't have to be the way that you deliver education. For example, I've taken some great courses that are actually email sequences. And every single day I get one email that delivers the lessons. I read that and the very next day I get another email. And if we go back to our other fear, uh, getting in front of people and speaking, and remember I told you that instead you could start writing, well, this would be a great way to deliver your course. Write out a 10 email sequence and deliver a new lesson every day. At Plato University, we use podcasts because of how widely distributed podcasts are. Anybody can get on their phone, download a podcast app, and get the RSS feed delivered right to their phone. As a result, our lessons have been listened to over 300,000 times. That means the effort that I put in to develop that course has not gone to waste. We also structure the podcast in a way that you consume one lesson per day and you can continue listening to those lessons over the subsequent days. Again, just a different format, a different way to deliver the education. And I'm trying to do it in a way where people, where I'm meeting people where they are rather than them having to come to my platform or where I am. I'm going to them. I'm saying, you wanted this information. I'll come to you and I'll deliver it in a way that you'll consume it. Now, I know getting in front of a camera, getting in front of students and sharing your expertise can be really scary. But if you want somebody to help and support and coach you through these challenges, then let's have a chat. I can be your partner and help you turn your wisdom into actionable education. Let's build something great together.